Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. This episode is keeping with the theme in January. If you've listened to the past three episodes this month, they have all been about sex, embodied sexuality, and trauma, and healing, different ways to do that, and all of that good stuff. On today's episode, I am going to be talking a little bit more about my personal experience as a survivor and how that has affected my life. Here we go. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. In 2022, I am setting a new mental health goal. I want to start journaling again every single day because it really helps me find patterns to what is triggering my anxiety or negative self-talk. And one of the best ways to follow through on healthy mental health habits is by working with a licensed therapist. With BetterHelp, you can access their network of over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. If you've ever searched for a counselor in your area, you know it can take weeks or even months just to hear back from someone. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating in as little as 48 hours. That is amazing. BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed, which is so helpful because there's no shame in that. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available on top of it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, and so do I. Visit BetterHelp.com Carly. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash C-A-R-L-Y to join the over 2 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Carly. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so I thought a lot about what I would say first on this episode, but I think I just want to take a deep breath. Okay, so as I shared in the introduction and as I have shared a couple times on the podcast in passing, um, I identify as a survivor of sexual assault. And that happened to me while I was working as an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and dating violence. I worked as an advocate for a few years and went to school working in gender violence prevention. It has been a passion of mine for long before I became a survivor 
and it always will be, even if I'm not working directly in the field. But becoming a survivor while doing that work was a really interesting parallel. And it was something that I absolutely put in a box to deal with at a later date. I didn't fully understand when other people who had experienced trauma in any form would share with me that they were able to kind of put that thing on the shelf. I didn't get it until then because I just completely wiped it aside. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't absorb it. And it felt too hard to have that experience be sorted through, for lack of a better phrase, while helping others do the same. And so I just didn't. And I'm not saying this as a recommendation, um, quite the opposite, actually, but I just didn't deal with it. And that had later repercussions, I would say. But I continued to work in the field and it started to be harder and harder for me to work with people and I wanted to do less of that direct work and that usually wasn't the case for me. And now I realize why, one of the reasons why, it was because I hadn't dealt with my own trauma. And I did all of the things that people sitting in my office would say, all of the things I would guide people through. I did all of many of the things that I talked to people about why it wasn't healthy or how to move through it. It was just the weirdest out-of-body experience to be simultaneously experiencing it and then also kind of feel like an advocate. And I thought I could be my own advocate. I don't think I really thought that, but I tried to trick myself into thinking that I could be. And um, spoiler alert, that doesn't work out too well. Turns out you can't. And that started to wear on me in terms of work. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but something I really came to terms with was just because I'm good at something doesn't mean it's good for me. And that was one of those things, the direct contact with survivors in that way. I think I did a good job, but I don't think it was ultimately good for me as a sustainable job. And part of that is maybe just my trauma. Maybe it's being a Pisces. Maybe it's just my personality. I don't know. But I now want to continue to do work with yoga and survivors and mental health and work in that field with that population, but just in other ways than just hearing their trauma again and again, because I think I was absorbing it like a sponge, but there was no one there to wring me out. And I sure was not doing it myself. And because of that, it It led me to leave that field. And again, I'm not saying it is just because of that. There are so many other factors why I am not working 
as an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and dating violence right now, but I think looking back, that's one of them. And of course, hindsight is 2020, but that was a big factor. And that is how it affected my work. I wanted to talk a little bit about how it has affected for me the different parts of my life in different ways. And These solo episodes are never super long, so these are just kind of little starting points and overviews and not super in-depth, but I wanted to give my experience, and it is only my experience. People who have had similar trauma could have and do have vastly different responses, experiences, ways of dealing and coping and healing, and that is okay. These are just mine. It is not right or wrong. It just is my experience. And so that was how it was affecting my work. It wasn't until it was, like many things. I think that I underestimated what it did to my trust in people, but specifically men. And that was not even in a sexual way, not even in a relating to people I was maybe interested in having a sexual relationship, but just in general, in that ability to trust or not trust. And for me, it was someone I know, like many, many others. And because of that, there was just this loss of trust, even though I worked in the field, right? I have all of that knowledge. I know that it's often people you know. I know all of the facts, but having the experience made it even more real on how people that you trust can hurt you and can break boundaries. And that was really hard to reconcile. And that has taken and I think still will take some practice. But also it it gives me something to pause at. It makes me pause and think about things. And I'm not saying that I'm grateful for the experience, but it also is looking at how it has informed me in maybe a way that I don't mind. And if I'm a little more cautious or I'm a little more protective of my friends then maybe that's okay. That is something I will take moving forward gladly because that is better than the opposite for me. So in terms of having a sexual relationship with someone after sexual assault, now, if my parents are listening, uh, warning, I'm going to talk about having sex. Sorry, mom and dad. But when you have survived that, any level of trauma, any level of sexual trauma, becoming sexual again is a really interesting thing. And there are a lot of different ways people handle that in terms of sex. Um, Some people, it's really hard to have sex ever again. Some people turn to having Um, a lot of sexual encounters and partners afterwards to gain some sense of control. Again, it's different for everyone, and I'm not saying one is right or wrong. 
but I didn't want to get close to anybody that I was going to or did have sex with after that for a little bit because for some reason it was easier than putting my trust in someone because putting trust in someone um, felt like it failed me before. And when I finally was in a long-term safe place with a man that I was having sex with, I had the, to this day, one of the most like interesting, scary, profound somatic body experiences that I was literally in the act of sex. And I had a complete flooding of memories of all of the, maybe not all, of many of the stories that I was told from survivors, all of that trauma, all of these scenes, and all of the things they told me came rushing back to my head, rushing back to my mind. And it was really, really overwhelming And I had a panic attack, basically. And I couldn't even explain it because it felt like it was so much more related, actually, to everybody else's story that I'd heard than my own. But it was like I was safe again in a sexual relationship. And all of these things kind of had to get out. And it was also then I realized that I was underestimating the effects of secondary trauma. And that is hearing people's stories helping people through their trauma. I was underestimating what hearing all of that was doing to me, and they were stored in me. Those stories were stored in me. There are still things that, moving forward, talking about how it affects sexual relationships, there are still things that I have to talk to someone I am going to enter a sexual relationship with, and warn them and tell them about my triggers. And that is something that I am still moving through being angry at. That this person did to me. That every time I want to have a sexual relationship moving forward, I have to have this conversation and feel like I need to disclose that I'm a survivor and explain myself and explain something that triggers me and that pisses me off. But you know, it's okay that it pisses me off. Not that it's okay that it happened, but it's okay that I'm angry at it because it fucking sucks. And if you listening to this are a survivor and you can relate to how it's affected work, how it's affected your personal life, your trust in people, your sexual relationships. If that makes you angry, that's okay. If you're angry all the time and you're holding on to that and it gets in the way of you living a healthy and happy life, then that's not okay. But it's okay to be angry. I didn't allow myself to be angry for a while because I didn't think that's who I was. But that's a part of it. And that's a part of moving through it. So anger and sadness and confusion and frustration, basically name an emotion and it's an appropriate response. If you're hearing this and you don't identify as a survivor, but you're pissed at hearing a survivor's story because it sucks and it's hard and it's gross and it's terrible. Yeah, that makes sense. Be angry. 
But if you are someone who would consider themselves more as an ally, I hope the anger or the sadness or the connection or whatever you have felt from listening to my story is motivating you to be a part of a solution. And I hope if you're a survivor listening, it is a reminder that anything you're feeling is okay and that you're worthy and that you deserve to get help. I hope that sharing my experience and my story, even in this short episode, has felt helpful for even one person. If it's brought up anything for you, please reach out to any support people you have in your life or reach out to an advocate. I want to take a second to thank every single person, every single survivor who has shared their story. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for people like Tarana Burke who started the Me Too movement. Thank you to activists who are fighting and advocates who are working with survivors every day still because that work is important. And even if you're not in the field, you can be a part of the solution. And I just want to thank everyone who has shared that. And if you haven't, if you have a story and you haven't shared it, that's okay too. It is not a requirement of healing to publicly share your story. It's wherever you're at. But thank you for listening and getting this far and giving me the opportunity to share mine. If you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to any of the other episodes in this month's series about sex and healing and sexuality, go back and give them a listen. I think after this, if you haven't yet, it will be really helpful. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If that's somewhere like Apple Podcasts, leave a review and you could be read on air as the review of the week. Looking for more podcast content, yoga videos, meditations, and all-around amazing community? Head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and check out what's going on. And finally, if you are ready to make changes in your life but don't really know where to begin, let's work together. Head over to consciouslycarly.com and we can start the process and get you happy. Until next time.